Hey man. Were you with Were you with her too? Yeah, I was. Uh, Becky? I think that was her name. Okay. She had you on her knees too? No, I'm not going there. Hey, we're back with the Harder Brunch Podcast. I'm your host, Zach Michaels. And with me, my co-host, Thaddeus J. McKee. Slappy, pappy, wah, wah, wah. Um, since, since our last episode, uh, it was around the Christmas time, uh, and Chris King saw the ghost of Christmas uh, future. Mm-hmm. He uh, realized that he had, a, he had a lot of repenting to do. And so he made it his life's journey. He's going to actually travel the globe and go apologize individually to all the people that he's... That he's done wrong over the years. Oh man, that's one So, so Chris King, uh, he'll be back when he gets back. I don't know. It could be months. It could be years. It could be. I think they had to send like seven ghosts of Christmas out. <laughs> there was a, there yeah, was a, there was some extra was a bit, ghosts. Yeah, yeah, it was a bit more than the standard three. Yeah, are there <laughs> supposed to be this many feature <laughs> ghosts? <laughs> hey, over here. It was really more of a, a roasting. <laughs> <laughs> the roast of Christmas future. <laughs> And uh, on the ones and twos, the wheels of steels, the sauce citizen of Indianapolis, give it up for Zach Roan. Hey there. Zach, no longer the sauce boss of Indianapolis. Yep, just a regular old mustard person like the rest of you. Just <laughs> a regular mustard person. Uh, well, glad to have you back. And um, very special guest with us in studio from Indianapolis Monthly, Julia Spalding's with us. Hey. Hey, welcome to the program, Julia. Thanks for having me on your podcast, Dyke. Absolutely. And what what is your official title at... Uh, Dining Editor. Dining Editor. Okay. Yes, so yes. Perfect, perfect, perfect fit here. Um, we had the last two weeks off, which we've never taken two weeks off. So okay. if we're a little rusty, I'm just blaming everything on that. You you don't seem rusty at okay. all to me. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> <laughs> haven't, haven't skipped a beat. Um we we uh, I was a very loose theme today, but if you had to guess the theme for for what we served you, what would you uh, mm. think it, it was? Brown. <laughs> oh, <laughs> you're not wrong. Man. Oh, um, <laughs> mm. Spicy peppers. So I uh, you know spicy? that's spicy brown. That's good. Spicy brown. Hot brown. Hot brown. No, hot brown. Something else. Um, but uh, no. Well, it was that's my nickname in high school. <laughs> nickname of the streets. <laughs> Uh, so, uh, it was, yeah, it was winter, just winter comfort food. Okay. Think, okay. What, yeah, what I get it. For. Uh, but I like, I like your answer. Brown. <laughs> Brown is comforting. It's <laughs> what well, is also very, very color. hard. You know, we always take photos of the food too. So it's always, that's always been a thing that's difficult as, uh, like, yeah, yeah. Brown on Brown on Brown. Like I used to have a food truck. And it was uh, a lot of burgers. It's like the, the yeah. burgers brown, the buns brown. It's why magazines can never do stories about soup. Because oh. of the photography, it just never works. So can't just get like maybe. a really colorful bowl or something. Oh, maybe just like, like and, and ladle background. it really pretty. But yeah, it's just one of the taboos. Oh no, mm. soup. it doesn't photograph well. I never thought about that. Yeah. Your oh. soup kind of was photogenic. I would say it had some green in it. Now I'm thinking back to the soup. I'm like, you, you know what? Right. Your soup had some good textures. It, it, I thought it was more like a pozzoli. Kind oh of yeah, yeah, like yeah, a yeah, chicken. Like you could put that in a tortilla and almost make it like a, a wet taco or something. I what you made. I uh, it was a white chicken chili, mm-hmm. uh, one of my favorites. Um, but it's always like I have to be reminded about it, you know. And it's just like mm-hmm. I forget it exists for a while, and then I'm like, 
oh yeah so i made it at work last week and then i made it for myself when i was sick and then mm-hmm. i was just like you know what's really good that white chicken chili i've yeah. had three times in the past two weeks good stuff it oh. was comforting that was you nailed it did you feel comforted i felt very comforted. Yeah, awesome and i apologize those of you at home can't see this but i threw my back out so i'm standing so i feel very awkward lording over everyone i'm talking i feel like i should be asking when your homework's turned in <laughs> it's a really Daddy's. strange power move you're yeah, doing. yeah yeah that's what it feels like <laughs> yeah. a position change yeah he always stands over us like this <laughs> i like to check your work you're doing a good job doing this board, so. doing a really good job uh, we had a very um, special chef. Uh, well, I don't know. He's, <laughs> he's a real special boy. Uh, chef Alan Sternberg, uh, friend of the show. He uh, he said he wanted to cook a dish this week. So do you want to come in to talk about your dish real quick? Hey. Um, so I did a um, Induya carbonara. We made lumachi at the restaurant, fresh pasta, Induya from La Quercia up in, up in Iowa, and then pancetta that we make in-house and some Amish eggs and little pecorino cheese, little little breakfast bacon, egg, and cheese pasta. And What's not everybody knows what that is, what you said. So bacon, egg, and cheese. Okay. ingredients. All right. And All right. <laughs> They're, common, just they're actually common uh, breakfast ingredients. The cheese that you were saying. Pecorino. Pecorino. Yeah, pecorino is kind of like Parmesan. Uh, it's made with sheep's milk cheese. Uh, classically in all the Roman pastas, carbonara being one of those. So mm-hmm. that's what we went with that. And it's it's a little more grassy than Parmesan. Um, and I just like it. What was the name of that pasta? Uh, Lumachi. It's basically nice. fancy macaroni which I thought would be good for sharing. I was going to do a bigly, which is like really fat spaghetti and really chewy and I like, but I figured if we're going to share it, then long noodles probably weren't the move. So Lumachi it was. It was not kosher, very pork heavy. Very pork heavy. So excessively porky. For our friends out there. Not kosher at all. Okay. We don't really do a lot of kosher food. Uh, We should do a kosher episode. Yeah, I'd love to. Thank you, Chef. Uh, I had to call Chef. Uh, I made some pasta from scratch for the first time ever over Christmas break. I was with my family, and I made macaroni and cheese from scratch. And so we were making the noodles. So my cousin had every Ooh. single KitchenAid attachment that they make still in the box, never used any of them. And I was like, oh, I was like, I'm going to make some pasta from scratch because she, she has a, a pasta extruder. And started making the first batch, and they were just, like, collapsing in on themselves. So I had to call Chef Alan Sternberg and uh, ask for some some advice, uh, which he gave me some good advice, which was start completely over <laughs> and do it better. And uh, it worked. It worked out very well. Um, what else do we have? Uh, the uh, cheesy beans on toast I felt mm-hmm. like is a good, uh, always a good winter comfort food. And just did it kind of more bite-sized um, Can I ask you someone like? Yeah, is that is that supposed to be salty? That cheesy bean on toast. Yeah, sure. Anytime you got bacon in the mix, and all right, for order of food, like I've asked the question, how much of food is technique? <laughs> I think the when food you comes never out, asked that. You said how much of cooking is technique? Well, you, you know, you never know what I say. <laughs> uh, but here, here's the here's the thing. I think Chef Alan Sternberg brought out that pasta mm-hmm. that was. Heavily salty, right? And then going to the cheesy bean almost took away possibly like 
the fun. So you're saying <laughs> you're saying that the Allen's was salty and then yeah. Dykes was saltless, Le- not as salty, not as not as salty, right? And and salty isn't a negative. It was very good, right? This is very positive. But, what you're saying, but it, it was less flavor, yeah. Right uh, in the in the in what which you what don't I always want a lot of flavor in your out. food. You don't want a lot of yeah, flavor in your food. You, yeah, you want to underwhelm. Is that what you're trying to do? <laughs> <laughs> I always I always try to it was underwhelm. Right, you just take a shot of cheesy <laughs> beans think, and you're ready to go. I, I think typically you would probably start off with uh, you probably start off with the cheesy beans yeah. on toast. Yeah, and that's what I thought. The entree came out first. Mm. Yeah, that's what. So we, yeah. So what what do you think? I thought they were both really good. I would eat both of those separately with maybe something like a, like a, something more like acid to kind of like what acidy acidic. Oh, like, I thought uh, you said with acid. I'm like, dang, he is down. I take a couple of microdoses before I eat that food again. I'll tell, you, I'll tell you what. I'm gonna need a trip before I have your bean toast. <laughs> that eyes got so wide. <laughs> The colors, the colors. It's more than just brown. Zach, you said you were you said it was going to be chili cheese toast. I was just kind trying. Of, I was trying so to shock. So I had it in my mind it. as yeah. I was eating it. I was like, "Oh, this is chili." Yeah, cheese yeah. Toast. That's what I thought. Like I saw the pot in the stove, and it looked like chili cheese something. And then I heard there was toast involved. Well, that's something you would make at McNiven's. Like is that is that? Yeah, a- yeah, for sure. They they would do it more a little bit more traditionally with the. Mm-hmm. And um, I did get called out for not using the authentic uh, Heinz beans, but I did. I substituted uh, ranch style beans, which I feel okay. like is probably maybe that's where we got a little bit of that. Yeah, it's got a little kick to it, but it's also it's tomatoey. You know, mm-hmm. I feel like that's about as close as you're going to get on the American side of it to. to well, easy uh, to, is that easy to make? I mean, it, it looks. I mean. I don't know how to say this. It looked really easy to make. Yeah. But it, is it something that, um, are there a lot of steps? Some things, things that look easy are not necessarily easy, but are there a lot of steps in that dish? No, it was uh, just uh, melted. Something that people should be making at home. Yeah. It's like great, it's, comfort, it's, yeah, easy comfort dish. Beans and cheese and bread and bacon. Yeah. Like, what more? The, like, the only further I like to go with my beans and toast is, and this will really piss off you know our friends across the pond, but I like to throw like a like a fried egg on top, and then oh, yeah. maybe some avocado. Yeah, and it just it starts becoming its own. Yeah, it's a monster. Uh, really good. But when I think of comfort food, like that's always number one that's like sticks to the ribs. So now you can add a bunch of stuff to beans and toast, and it's still beans and toast. <laughs> right, but if I put bacon not, on not, a grilled we're not, cheese, we're not going to open up this this grilled cheese can of worms today, sir. All right. Well, I mean, we have a, a food editor here. I mean, I, you know, I like did say, I did say that this would piss off our friends across the pond. So if anyone from the UK wants to say that's no longer beans and toast, I would say correct. But I do would pile that much stuff on. Absolutely, you can pile a bunch of dumb stuff on a grilled cheese. It's just no longer grilled cheese, Zach. We've we've had this discussion before. You're never going to win this argument. It's not going to happen. I don't know how you feel about this, Julia, but I think. Once you start adding proteins to a grilled cheese, mm-hmm. it's no longer grilled cheese. I'm a grilled cheese purist. Comes a, becomes a melt. Exactly. But if, just, but if it's just bacon, bacon and cheese, bacon is and that a bacon sandwich or is that a grilled cheese with bacon? <laughs> See, maybe, maybe, like, maybe you get one add-on. Maybe you get one. Yeah. You get, oh! you get a tomato. I don't, you could have I a know, tomato. This is a I professional think, answer. I believe I, you, you can have, have, I believe you can have a vegetable add-on. I don't think you can have a protein <laughs> add-on. Yeah, but, but bacon is not in the same category yeah. as like like 
The the no no bacon's bacon better can, than the rest of the category. I agree, it tastes better. All right, but we're not it, doing this for a half an hour. We will go down this rabbit garnish? hole. We will never come out. Uh, what was next there? Don't get us back in it. <laughs> well, and I do want to establish: we we learned we do not want to have the pasta ever before the bean. Well, apparently it ruined the rest of your meal. So no, yeah, we, we <laughs> yeah. don't want to do that. We really want to do it back to back. So the, I want to do it back to back. So the so the world renowned chef put a dish out and uh, it had a lot of flavor, and then the, everything else just wasn't as good. <laughs> like, I didn't yes, say yes, that. he buried me. He buried the rest that. of my brunch. Is that what you want? Stole your thunder. I just yeah. didn't understand why you just quit after <laughs> that. It was weird. It was like the first course, a lot of flavor. <laughs> Everything else came after good. It was like, am I eating anything? It I was, don't know. It was like the ghost of food. What was it? It had no soul, no heart. <laughs> first course, I wanted it in my mouth. <laughs> Second course, a little different. <laughs> Why is this even here? Yeah, this is pretty much how I get treated every week uh, after after cooking. I'm sorry. I'll try not to pile on. No, it's fine. Please do. <laughs> um <laughs> And then, uh, and then a savory crepe. Um, there were a couple I, things. I'm sorry. Go ahead. There were a couple. There is that the the chili came next, right? And the chili. You made the that soup? the chicken. Oh, yeah, the white chicken chili. Yeah, and yeah. that and that. Oh, that that piece of cornbread. Yeah, I did. I, super, almost like a bread pudding. It was like real soft. Yeah, it, well, it was it was cor- it was corn pudding that I feel like went too long, and then I was like, "Is this corn pudding or cornbread?" I'm not sure. It's somewhere in between. Um, I don't want to say anything about that bread. Why not? <laughs> <laughs> I, I was confused because it wasn't supposed to be corn pudding because he he handed it to us on paper, <laughs> and when I mean paper, it was a paper towel of this damp. Corn melting <laughs> yellow cake, and I was like, "Oh no!" Like, am I? Is this supposed to like? I, I, I was like, "This, this looks like cornbread that like took a bath." <laughs> and then, and then I was like, "All right, I want to put it in my mouth." And it was, it was, it tasted like corn, and so, <laughs> and just stopped after that. I gotta say, new Chris Kane is doing an excellent job. <laughs> I think I threw my back out laughing. <laughs> Um, and then we had the savory crepes. <laughs> I don't know what was wrong with the crepes. <laughs> the fact that Thad ate them like a taco. Okay, that's what was wrong with the crepes. Well, that's fine. <laughs> well, one, my plate had a lot of stuff going on with it, it except for flavor. It had this like delicious. <laughs> there pasta. was no flavor there. I was like, oh, this delicious pasta is getting all over my savory crepes. Uh, So that was happening. You don't want the good food to spill into the bad food. You never want that to happen. Yeah, I wanted to judge it correctly. What did you think of the crepes? I'm going straight to the food editor. Yeah. I like the crepes. I like potatoes and meat cooked together. Yeah. Um, I, I was getting kind of, I was getting ready to tap out at that point. So I only took one bite. It was really good. It's, uh, it was one of those things where, as I was making it, I was like, this is way too much filling. This is, this is food for the rest of the week. But I love um, Smoking Goose's chorizo. Mm-hmm. And, a chorizo and it's basically just a chorizo hash. Anytime I can fill uh, a, a, a crepe up with uh, savory. Mm-hmm. I, think I'm, I think I'm more fan of the savory fillings than I am sweet fillings. And over Christmas break, I was with my 
hanging out with my family and my uh, my grandma was from France, and so we were just making crepes and like mm-hmm. talking about like the ins and outs of crepes. And I was just like, man, I just they literally had a stack of crepes, mm-hmm. like, and then we're just filling it up full uh, like the crepe Suzette. And so I've just been on a crepe kick, and uh, yeah, but uh, I should have also given you the good warning. Uh, there is kind of a trick to eating harder brunch, where if you go too hard at the beginning, that by the end it's always like it's like slight torture, you know? I, I did heed that warning at the beginning, so I was really pacing myself, but I didn't realize there were going to be five courses. Yeah, there's always, and sometimes more. Con- a lot of times, sometimes I'll forget there's a... <laughs> something on the grill somewhere or <laughs> hiding out. I've definitely been like, oh, there was seven courses. Um, I love and, the crepes. And then the uh, rustic uh, apple tart, which was uh, inspired by my good friend, uh, Zach. <laughs> he, was his, he was he asked me to make a an, an apple tart. And he was like, make it real rustic. Isn't that what you asked me? Yeah, and you delivered <laughs> like 110%. <laughs> yeah. It was handmade. Yeah, it was. Um, we saw you put it together. What was the flavor level on it, Thad? Were you still kind of in a taste hangover from the first taste course? So hangover from the pasta, yeah. sure. Um, or could you taste the apples? I there was there were apples in it. I know that. <laughs> I like your descriptions of that or of his food. Yeah, it, I mean, he did put corn in it. <laughs> yep. Technically, like that food was he, present. He checked that box. No, um, I, I I like I like the rustic pie. Um, it's gonna be real hard to make me mad over a pie. I was I was very happy with the pie. I thought it turned out really nice, which is kind of fun because when I was watching them, you ever watch somebody do a trick and you just think that they're gonna fall on their neck and break it the whole time, <laughs> and it came out of the oven and he landed it. It didn't. Yeah, it was. Uh... I, it, I was definitely like a monkey riding a unicycle. Like, it did not look like it was going to end well. Yeah. yeah. Put it in. Do the some people, perfect. Oh, sorry. Do some people put brown sugar in, in like, the like the breading when, when making that? Can you do that with that, with that tart? Like, uh. if you wanted to make it better? Or? <laughs> if you wanted to make That's not the question. I was just curious. <laughs> If that's possible, because uh, I might try that. It yeah. wasn't sweet enough. You, I think it wasn't. The, I don't think it was sweet enough. Yeah, I think the problem is you ate Alan Sternberg's food first. Uh-huh. You know he has a restaurant too. Don't ever go there because you might not be able to eat regular food for like the rest of the week. You might be in a coma and be like, "Well, I've had too much flavor. I'm in a flavor coma." Can you Wait, imagine if you, you would just come back here? Can you imagine <laughs> if, if you had ate two of his dishes, oh, man, you could never be able to eat regular food ever again. Oh, I would have left. <laughs> I would have just got out. Uh, <clears throat> it's like meatcake challenge all over again. But, no, I, this isn't a complaint about it, and it sounds like it's a complaint, but it was not as sweet as I'd like, and don't do that again. What would what, what, <laughs> what, what, what a complaint sound like? <laughs> I don't want to confuse this with complaint. Uh, okay, well, that was our brown episode of Harder Brunch. Uh, Julius Balding, how long have you been a writer for? Oh, I've been a writer. Um, so I've been with Indianapolis Monthly basically almost my entire. I had like kind of like two administrations. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first, like 
season one was right out of college. It was my first job. Oh, um, I came in and I was kind of just like the, uh, the, the lowest possible rung of a writer on a magazine staff. Um, I would, you know, whatever, if there was a story that somebody didn't want to write or they couldn't get a freelancer, they'd hand it to me. And, um, I think I, staff writer was my title. Mm. And a couple years in, uh, the food there, we had a restaurant critic, a restaurant, restaurant critic who quit and they were kind of scrambling to get someone to do that. And they asked me if I wanted to do it maybe for a couple months, just until they could get someone, a real, a real food person yeah. <laughs> to write it. And I started doing it and, um, I did it. I, I covered restaurants until I left in, uh, like 2000, went out, lived in California for seven years, did some freelancing, did some work for some different, like like a book publisher and did some marketing and stuff like that until I ran out of money and um, was, was looking for, you know, a, another journalism job back east somewhere. Mm -hmm. And um, as it so happened, almost my exact job became available at the same time oh, that, nice. that I was looking for it. So... Um, I didn't think I would ever come back to the magazine, but at that point, I just, I really liked what they were doing with the magazine. The staff was super robust, and they were doing a lot of smart writing. All of the writers were amazing. It was a great team, and um, I came back, and that was, um, I came back in 2007, and I've been there since then. So you've been there during the whole like switch kind of over to like digital media yes yes but like indianapolis monthly is one of those magazines that i still see like physical co like <laughs> like there's something yeah. like that feels good about seeing a physical copy of indianapolis monthly it's very it's almost retro isn't it yeah, and it's just like yeah it is right there <laughs> and like now i don't know just because maybe of my crossover between like entertainment and food and stuff like that a lot of times like my friends are you know mm -hmm. like oh wow so-and-so has a, a blurb at this point or this chef mm -hmm. or, you know, this comic. So uh, it's always a impulse buy for me to pick it up and see who I can find and who's doing what. Well, you know, you can get a, a whole year, yeah. $24, <laughs> $2 an issue. It's like the cheapest thing you can do. Okay. Well, you might have me sold because yeah. I do. It's, it's, I think it is my favorite, my favorite magazine. Um, just Good. think, a six easy Patreon <laughs> subscriptions. <laughs> <laughs> you can do it. Now, there was a, a long in, in, like a long going joke around here because um, we were interviewed about the podcast. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. it, well, it was actually a follow-up interview uh, about me. Like, they interviewed me about the food truck, and then three years later, they... Oh, that's right. I got confused by the we part. <laughs> they interviewed... Because I don't think I was there for that interview. And, uh, and then... Some of, the, some of the staff felt like they were uh, not highlighted enough. Like, you were the Alan Sternberg of the group. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I used to be the Alan Sternberg yeah. of the group until Alan Sternberg came. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, now, that, now that we know the, the entire cast, we should have given everybody Indianapolis Monthly did say that I laughed in the face of COVID. Yeah. And so a lot of people are like, what is, why would you do that? <laughs> was that the actual wording on it? I, I think it was. It was like, Black it was like Michael's laughs, laughs in the, the face, face of COVID. COVID. <laughs> yes. And then there's a picture of me drinking whiskey. And I, I look like Brutal. a Bob Bossers behind the... Brutal. And I was like, I never laughed at any COVID. That's right. <laughs> I was really happy I wasn't mentioned. Yeah. 
Because you were there, they just asked you to step out of the picture. <laughs> That's right, they did. <laughs> there, yeah, right. Can we now get a picture of all three? Now just one with him. Now one with him. Just over to the side just a little the bit. the one who laughs at COVID. Now, yeah. Yeah, one with you uh, laughing back, uh, beer up. Okay. <laughs> you, you had a cocktail in your hand, too. I did, yeah. <laughs> and you're smiling. Yeah, it looked, it looked real suspicious. So, uh, Yeah, so they always like to throw that in my face. That, that, was, that they weren't um, highlighted in that. Um, but I was like, yeah, I was like to remind you, you could have been, you could have been blamed for laughing in the face of COVID if you had been. So how's how's laughing in COVID now, Dyke? Uh, did, does COVID laugh back? COVID eventually laughs back. Uh, yeah, I had the I had the Omicrons, had the Omicrons, and I am uh, vaccinated. Full disclosure, I'm vaccinated. Uh, but yeah, I got the, <laughs> but oh. I I got it was very mild. Is that the first your first COVID experience? Yeah, I du- I was uh, I was what do they call the um, uh, independent breakthrough? Not, no, it was a, I worked I worked throughout the whole pandemic. I never stopped working. Mm-hmm. I never got to stay home. You're an essential worker. Essential, yeah. I felt really essential. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so I had dodged it for two years mm-hmm. and was like, I, I can't get this COVID. You know. You thought you were invincible. I thought. Well, I just he said that a number of times. <laughs> said I'm done, really oh, I'm done laughing. I'm done laughing. Uh, no, but I, I got Omicron, but it, it's, I had just gotten sick like a month before, like regular sick and being regular sick is so weird now. Cause it's like, nobody cares if you're regular sick. Like if you cough around someone, they're like, what the, but then you're like, it's mm-hmm. regular sick. And they're like, Oh, spit in my face. I don't care. Like regular <laughs> Let me drink sick. after you. Yeah. No one cares about regular sick. Like I tried to call into work and they were like, you're, you're regular sick? You call it in with regular sick? Get your ass Wait, in here. Is that just mono? Is that all yeah. you have? <laughs> and I felt like I felt like shit for like a week and a half, but <coughs> Omicrons, man, you get people like offering to, can I, can I bring you some soup? And yeah. uh, so many mm. people offered to bring me soup. I thought it was nice. Did you get any soup? I did. I did. What I, kind of soup? Uh, I, I had to make it myself. Oh. I just got soup ingredients. Did you say no to everybody? No, I'm just, what are you going to get some store-bought soup? Come on now. Yeah, when you can make your own. So you're saying your friends reached out to give you soup, and you said, I don't want your shitty soup. <laughs> I said, here Were you afraid it didn't have enough flavor? I said, to your standards? I said, the problem is, Alan Sternberg had cooked me a dish the day before, <laughs> and then I couldn't taste anything for three days. I was like, is this the Omnicrons, or is this, the, or is this Alan Sternberg's cooking? I don't know. <laughs> Nothing has flavor anymore. That that should be a harder brunch theme. Just yeah. no flavor. <laughs> no flavor. And you can just play a trick on your guest. <laughs> we we instead of having flavor flame, we just have the clock come up. No, but everybody else, no you'd be like, oh, this is so spicy. Yeah. yeah just <laughs> and just make people think that they're, they're, they caught Corona in real time. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. I love that. Looking around the room. <laughs> I, love I don't it. think this has any heat to it. <laughs> People are like spraying mist on themselves. Like it's so hot. I will say early, uh, uh, there was one time during the pandemic when I had gotten sick and I had convinced myself in the car that I couldn't taste anymore. Mm. And uh, it was just all in my head. Like I had to stop and pull over to a gas station to go buy like a candy bar. Because <laughs> I thought, <laughs> but yeah, no. What candy bar was it? What I just got to know. It was a payday. This is I was yeah, wondering if it was I, a payday. Pay you seem like you're a payday yeah. guy. Are those supposed to be Because you're a nut. Yeah. yeah. 
Is that the smelliest of candy bars? What were you looking for? And that's I wanted the, to taste it. Tasting is smelling too. It's the least tastiest. Of Listen, candy I know bars you're not very acquainted with flavors. <laughs> I've, never, <laughs> but, uh, I've never seen it in my life. I don't know. I try to avoid it. Uh, let's take a quick break and we'll be right back. Flavor flies. <laughs> in, in this movie. Watching it and being like, oh, I never saw that when I was a kid. He's not hot one. That's crazy. Ooh, good choice. Did you really binge, binge listen to 10 episodes? I did, I binged. Clearing out my house for my new renter to move in. I had my headphones in. Oh, so you already know us. I'm trying to play. I'm trying to. Just kept going. I'd I'd be like three episodes in, and it just all blended together. Beautiful. Um, I'm trying to think back to us. So you got to hear some of Chris King on there. He's the guy who reviews the food, and he's real mean. Mm Yeah. Not to be confused with Dad. (laughs) Well, it's like if if Thad did it with jokes. (laughs) (laughs) I roasted both of you. Still trying to figure it out. (laughs) I love the silence. Uh, Wait, is this recording? We are going. This is the show right now. We've got dead air. We've got Dyke that's standing, (laughs) not doing a lot of talking. He's leading us into the promised land. Oh no! Let's start over. We gotta start over. That was the, the weakest. What's going to I'm gonna start with Dykes. Not even like what? <laughs> I even say welcome back. Was there a cue? Did I miss a cue? Well, I mean, we did the music like we usually do. <laughs> yeah, are we done? Are, are we starting over? Yes, this, we're starting this over. Producer. This is garbage. All right, this is what, put this in your outtakes. This is a producer outtake. <laughs> yeah. You should try to trick people with beginnings. <laughs> yeah. Tricky beginnings by Zach. Now we all know. Well, we're starting right now, Dyke. <laughs> Just so you know, this is the music we're leading in with. This is bad. You're, you're, you did bad, not me. We're all on the same page here. All right, here, I got to ask you a question. Since you said something off camera, George Clooney or... Danny DeVito, who do you pick? Oh, are those are my two choices? Yeah. Well, George. All right. You, you seem but really do, pretty hot for Danny DeVito. I, I, I understand that Danny DeVito is better. Okay. He's, uh, he's confident. Okay. Welcome back to the Heart of Brunch podcast. We're back here in studio, Julia Spaulding. Um, so how do you, when you start being uh, a food critic. Okay. Like, 
What, I mean, are there, did you start off with any kind of, uh, I started out with nothing. Nothing? Like, I, how, I didn't how, have what does that look like? How does that, how does that um, start off for you? So I was just a writer. Mm-hmm. I was a writer. And when I started writing about food, it wasn't the cool thing to do. It was, we need someone to write these restaurant reviews because this other elderly lady doesn't want to do it anymore. So let's get Julia to do it. And um, I didn't know anything about food. I'd never worked in restaurants. I wasn't a foodie. I, I wasn't. I didn't cook really. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just always really liked writing. Yeah. Um, and I found that writing restaurant reviews. I thought that was a really cool format to be a creative writer because mm-hmm. I always it was the kind of writing I always liked to do. I thought I would you know like write personality profiles, so I would always find out like who are the people that that make these restaurants run, mm-hmm. and then I just like being descriptive and writing little scenes. So I just kind of thought, you know, why can't these be little stories? Why can't mm-hmm. restaurant reviews be little stories that are fun to read? Yeah, um, and not necessarily, you know, I'm not like. This place gets five stars, and this place, blah blah blah. I'm just more like, let me tell you about this restaurant, right? Because my tastes are completely different from anyone else's. Yeah. I don't want to be mean. I don't want to. I don't want to. You know, this is people's lifeblood. I you don't, don't want to be mean. But have you had to be mean? I've never. I've never been. I have been mean. You've had been mean. I, not mean. Truthful. I've truthful. had to be painfully honest right. a couple of times, which is their fault. Um, and I always think that I'm always much nicer than I need to be. Sure. Like, I'm never meaner than I need to be, yeah. but I'm always much nicer. Um, well, it's always, have you used the word shit to describe <laughs> any? <laughs> no. Okay. It's, it's always, I, I think, easy to highlight the good, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's, mm-hmm. And then you can always admit <laughs> how much you want to. Well, I always think, you know, who's reading this? This is a reading a magazine article is a kind of like a luxury. It's like a luxury item. You don't have to read. Mm-hmm. It's not. It's not like you're going through your news feed in the morning and I better read this review of a new restaurant. It's a kind of like a luxury thing, and um, people are usually reading it in the dentist office, like kind of trying to get their mind off of what they're doing. So I just wanted. I just wanted. I want mm. them to be kind of little like escapes. Mm-hmm. Um, and it might be a restaurant that you're never going to go to, but. I want you to be able to know what the um, Indusia pasta tastes like that yeah. Alan Sternberg makes. I want to. I want you to kind of like get a feel for good. what the vibe is. It's really good. <laughs> you should try it. No, that's great. Um, uh, have you ever gone and ate somewhere where they they knew you were there for, and like? Um, I try. Yeah, I I I don't want anyone to know who I am. I don't want. I, I pay for all my own food. Yeah. I don't want, you want anyone. Special treatment. I don't want special treatment. I don't yeah. want that to be the experience that I write about because that's no fun. Yeah. When you know, like they're bringing out, you know, like you just did. Like I mean, that was really fun. But what, I want it to be. I want people. I want to experience like anyone else. Yeah. So, you, and, ever, but there are people who know what I look like. I think, which I mean, I don't know why. Like, look at me. Have you? Have you I don't ever, look like someone you would treat special. I just, you know, this lady. Of course you would. <laughs> Um, have you ever had uh, a specifically bad experience because you were going in anonymous and you mm. were just like, and 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 then you have a, do I write about this? Do I not? Have you ever not written about something because you had a, such a bad experience? I guess it would be a better way of asking that. Yeah. Yeah. Really? Um, there have been a couple of places that, it, and first of all, there has to be something to write about. Mm-hmm. And it's not necessarily that it was a bad experience. Yeah. It's just kind of like, there's not really anything there's not really anything to write about here. So that phrase, nothing to write at home about, comes <laughs> from. So, and and also I usually have 
several restaurants to choose from every mm-hmm. month. So it's kind of like the one that's going to be the strongest story. That's the one I'm, I'm going to pick. Yeah. So. Now I got, so I, I got to, I got a tour of um, Indie Star a couple of years ago. I had a mm-hmm. friend that works there and they were kind of showing me like they everything was digital and up to the minute. And like, they were kind of showing me back. And I remember specifically when they were talking about food, they were like, they just, everything came down to this algorithm of mm-hmm. they were like, the top three things that or the top five things that people read about engaged about in the city are restaurant closings, mm. restaurant openings, mm-hmm. pizzas, burgers, and tacos. Okay. And like had it that much and had the percentage of, of how much pe- engagement they got in each one. But it was kind of like, this is what people like. So we keep giving back mm-hmm. those. Do you guys do something similar with the algorithms we're, or is, it, is it more about like what you feel like doing? Or? I wish, I wish we knew what we were doing. I wish it was more of a, I always think of like the stars, probably like NASA where they have like yeah. all those big screens <laughs> yeah, really where like blinking lights and you know, this person, someone just clicked on this story, but we're really just, I mean, we, we, we're kind of coming at it as writers. We're, mm-hmm. we, being like a, a print magazine, yeah. we, you know, we had to transition from that to being digital. So we're like trying to figure out, we're trying mm-hmm. to figure those things out. Yeah. But we're much more like, what do people want to read? What do people, let's write something that people want to read about. Yeah. So, and it just kind of comes about organically. But yeah, burgers are big, pizza's big, tacos are big. Um, yeah, those are the, those are the, the, the big hitters. Um, yeah, I love it. Which is crazy. Best, and that people want to know best. Like, what's the best? What are the, oh, the tops? The, yeah. So we, we do that every year. Um, and it was really awkward right when, um, like, right when the COVID closures happened in whatever, March mm. 20, um, gosh, 2020. Uh, our best restaurant issue hit the stand. <laughs> it, was, it was just like it could not, it just like landed so flat. Yeah. And, oh, you yeah. know, we'd, we'd spent, I spent eight months working on that issue. It's, oh, it's yeah. a kind of like something that, you know, over a course of time. Yeah. And it just was like, well, well yeah, do you know, half of these restaurants aren't open right now that I'm or, telling or, you or, or will them, be open or, ever again. Yeah, let's just, you know, this is just let's just keep this as a check. So it just kind of became this time capsule that this time capsule of But that's interesting before times. Yeah, that's interesting though cuz like when is that ever happen? You know, like mm-hmm. when does that ever happen like, well, we'll write this surely there will be a restaurant industry in 8 months oh, from now, you know. And a, like, a restaurant writing industry yeah. as well, you know. I want to keep so, you know, we had to pivot really quickly, too. Just yeah, what, what did you guys do as far as, like, um, We immediately did a feature story on ice cream <laughs> because we thought, ice cream, you know, what are some things that, let's just, you know, and, of course, we were also, like, thinking three months in advance. Like, yeah. what's, what are people going to be doing three months from now? Mm-hmm. We didn't know if everything was going to be back open again in three months. Yeah. So we knew people were still going to be, <laughs> we knew people were going to eat ice cream. So we did a big, we did an ice cream feature instead of a review that month. Um, and that turned out to be just like a nice little mini feature. Um, we did a takeout uh, cover story on uh, takeout pivots. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, um, you know, even that was dicey because a lot of places, you know, we needed photography. And, you know, a lot of places, you know, weren't open for us to go in and pick up, like, to shoot. Yeah. So we had to kind of, like, go around and actually, actually pick up takeout food and bring it to our photographer studio and, and shoot these little, we kind of, like, organize these little vignettes of date night. And, you know, yeah. And also, like, I was just thinking about this uh, today or uh, I was looking at brunch stuff maybe yesterday, um, but it was all stuff that had been boxed up from mm-hmm. like fancy restaurants. Yeah. And it's just, like it's so crazy how much like a $30 dish looks like a pile of crap as, as soon as you put it into as a cardboard box. As soon as you open box. that up. 
It's just <laughs> this look. I'm sure this this is this look much prettier on the yeah. plate. And it's not easy to do. It's not an easy transition from food that you put in a box and then it has to travel 20 minutes and then be opened and the the textures change. Everything yeah. changes. Everything kind of gets jumbled together. So I think people really had to think rethink what kind of food they were serving. You couldn't just take your menu and put it in a box. They had to rethink their it, menu. It really hurt my business idea, which was uh, soup in a cardboard box. <laughs> I was going to do that, Zach. I thought that was the corn pudding. <laughs> it's more like Schrodinger's soup. It says, soup is the bread. I don't know. You figure it out. It's definitely got corn. Here's a wet napkin. <laughs> Here's a handful. Um, what do you like writing about outside of food? Um, food. I like, I like writing... Uh, I like... Did you read the story that I wrote about the CBD? The I did. Well, it was about the yeah. Wait, was it about the, the lady, the crazy lady? Yeah. Well, well, <laughs> she um, that turned into the, the, I had never done an investigative piece before. That was a great article, by <laughs> the way. I Let's do a little quick recap of that. Yeah, give 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 it to okay. us. Okay. Well, this story was all my fault. <laughs> um, and it it, it kind of like turned into this like. 8,000 word correction or apology for what I did. Um, I wrote, you know, I, and, and I was kind of part of this, um, um, kind of fell under the spell of this woman who was opening, she had developed an app that was a CBD delivery service. Um, you know, it was going to revolutionize. It was the next Uber. It was very high tech. It was a, it was a tech. Um, and, you know, we had, we wrote about it. It's a it's a great story. She's a you know a gay woman who is in you know pioneering a new kind of um, like a new field. Um, it was a really cool story. We I think we wrote about her like three different times. In well, the she magazine. like checked a lot of boxes too. Like yeah, it was like she's a parent. Was she like a single parent too? It was mm-hmm. like a lot of yeah, things. a lot of it was a great story. Yeah. If it would have been true, yeah. <laughs> um, so we and it all kind of started falling apart when this uh, food truck operator AJ Feeney posted a, um, a, a, a post on Instagram saying, you know, basically explaining this horrible experience that he had had with her. And, um, you know, she had uh, um, um, gone back on some deals. He had done a, um, a pop-up with her that he hadn't been paid for. He was subleasing her kitchen, and the kitchen had some problems. He was trying to get out of his lease. There are all kinds of, like, little financial it was like two thousand dollars it was mm. a very it was a it would have been write a check and be done with this guy just get rid of him but um it kind of turned into he 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 she wouldn't she just didn't and he wrote this just scathing post and all of these people started piling on saying i've had exactly this exact experience this woman did this 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 and it just kept going on and indianapolis monthly starts getting tagged like you you what you wrote about don't you fact check your stuff so um I called my editor. This was when we were working from home. I just like just built my desk in my home office. Yeah. I called my editor. I was like, "We have to take all of this. We have to take all of this stuff off of our website. People are calling us out. I really screwed this up." And he's like, "No, let's dig in. Let's find out. Let's let's do the story. Yeah. Let's keep it on. Let's do the story. And the more we the the story had so many. It went down so many tangents. Mm-hmm. Like we thought it was going to be this piece." Um, you know, there are all these, you know, the, the app didn't exist. She was selling it to investors. She had hundreds of thousands of, of, of you know, money in, in investor money yeah. um, on an app that didn't exist. 
Um, she was creating content using, you know, putting people in her brochures who didn't work for her. It was just all this weird stuff. And the more we, and then we'd like go chase that down. And then we'd find out that that guy had a story about her. And then we found out that, um, you know, her employees, uh, when COVID happened, were trying to file for unemployment and they found out that their like wages had not even been submitted. Like they couldn't get, they weren't, she wasn't, I mean, the yeah. tax money wasn't being like tracked. So, um, but just, it just went on and on. And the, the story had so many tentacles. And at the end, I think we just kind of think we ended with, so there's that. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we didn't oh. even, we couldn't even, we couldn't even find closure within all of the, the things that we were finding out. But it was like an S town. Like you found out like, yeah, it was, um, there just, there's so many things that kind of like built into that story. And, uh, I worked with two, well, I was probably the least helpful in reporting that story, but I, you know, I worked with, um, my editor, Michael Rubino, and Derek Robertson, who is another one of our, the writers who, is, who has since gone on to do something else. But uh, they really dug in with the investigative things. Mm-hmm. And I just, I really, I got into that. Like, yeah. you can find all of, you can find all, so much information about people. Um, you can find so much information, it's disproved so many things. So that was a really fun experience. And I, I was just kind of like this forest Gump person who was showing up. Um, like I wrote the stories, I kind of knew Rebecca. I was I was in the I was in the dispensary when AJ Feeney came in one day. I kind of had all these like I had all these scenes that I was there, mm. so that kind of got woven into the to the the work that Michael and Derek were so good at, um, kind of like <laughs> justifying. Uh, but that was a that was a that was a great experience, and I'd probably I'd like to do some more of that. I'm just looking for a real good beefy story to do. It was doing. a great piece of writing, and I I completely forgot that or didn't notice that you mm-hmm. you had been the, the author on that um awesome. but one of my favorite it, it's terrible i feel bad for anyone that got like financially swindled obviously there are a lot of people um, whose lives were ruined um but i am also fascinated by the kind of person who can do that and just like the and have a completely mm. and keep going you, yeah and it, it's like the 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 fire island guy or the fire festival guy that's, that's what i was thinking yeah. or yeah. i mean it, this was also happening kind of like right when the elizabeth holmes the theranos thing mm, was happening yeah. and it had a lot of like shockingly a lot of similarities um so it just was it was a story that it was just this weird long story that people read and at the end they're like oh my god what did i just read yeah. So uh, now, did the the original story about her startup mm-hmm. do better or worse than the the investigative piece? <laughs> worse. I don't know. You know, probably I I might have been the only person that even remembered that we wrote that that piece because it wasn't really something big. She we um, but you know we kind of went back to her. But so we were part of the problem, um, and we were sort of like it. You know, like I I think we wrote in the in the story that we kind of it kind of became an echo chamber. Like we were kind of like reporting on our own reporting, which is not a good thing to do. Well, journalists. but I think it's kind of cool that you took that and instead of just saying, "Oh, hey, look, we were wrong about this. We'll mm-hmm. do a retraction." Right. That you did a full story. Oh, it got really meta. I we feel wrote like, ourselves yeah. into the story. I we, feel like when corrections get made, the correction gets read a lot less than the original mm-hmm. piece does, but it, it almost seems like that would be a good way to get right. the, the actual truth to get more light than mm-hmm. right. what happened initially. Right. And we knew we had to, we knew we were going to have to write ourselves sure, into the story. Sure, like we sure. knew, you know, it was sheepish, but it was part of it. No, that's pretty, um, that's very cool, I think. I, and I liked it because it, it was, it, it seemed very honest and also just like, I'm writing a story about a bunch of people that conned, and we got conned. <laughs> exactly, we were one. Yeah, we were one of them. And uh, yeah, you I know don't know how it feels. I'm always, I'm always fascinated by. I don't know. I don't know, like 
con con artists and grifters and people like catch this, me if you can yeah, yeah bold fake did you ever did you ever see the documentary called uh, the woman that wasn't there yes yeah about the nine one one yeah the nine eleven just yeah very much gave reminded me of that and I was just like how does and then how do these people they get out of one bucket of syrup and then they just immediately <laughs> start doing something else with this other group and I'm just like I don't know the the psychosis involved is always uh, just just blows my mind it's, it's always a, it's a different way of thinking for sure and that was how did so how did you initially fall into that like because before you knew that was gonna be that kind of story you're just writing about a, a tech piece about just a woman entrepreneur or? yeah we were just we were writing a success story about a, a female entrepreneur who had um this this app that she was developing it was going to revolutionize um you know it was going to put you know a lot of people were going were kind of like Investing in it as a startup with yeah. their, with their dollars and their their hearts and souls, um, it was kind of like a it was sort of a feel good story, until we found out that a lot of people were not feeling good <laughs> about it. Now, does that did that kind of scare you? away? were you like kind of like was part of you like I just want to go back and write these dining pieces <laughs> and stay out of this? <laughs> Let me go write some more pasta stories. No, I actually <laughs> I liked it. I liked it. Yeah. I thought it was a it was a great learning experience, um, and it. I kind of kicked me in the butt. Like I needed, I needed something like that. It was sort of like a hitting refresh. All of those, you know, the things that you learn about in journalism that you're yeah. really supposed to be doing. Um, I liked it. I mean, I I tend to keep. I always give people the benefit of the doubt the first time around. Usually, and why wouldn't you take people at their word? Yeah, like not expect someone to be a psychopathic liar. <laughs> yeah, right. The, the layers of lies. Do you, have you ever written any fiction? No, not a fiction no, person. No, no, I'd like to. I have, you know, I have, you know, ideas, ideas and thoughts, corner, yeah. and a lot of them are sort of like tangentially food related that I think would make. I, I like, I like, I like reading about food. Mm-hmm. Um, I think right when I started doing food writing, I was reading a lot of like, like um, Ruth Reichel, who was like gourmet writer, and there's another writer named Lori. Lori Colwyn, I think was her name, who wrote a lot about food and, and food. It was just like kind of, um, they were memoirs, but they, were, they had a lot of food involved. And, mm-hmm. um, so, and of course, Anthony Bourdain, I, I really, Who's you know, I, I, <laughs> you know my, the first time, my, the first, my first uh, go at food writing, there was no Anthony Bourdain. Mm-hmm. There was not, like I said, it wasn't really a cool thing to do. Like yeah. food writing was not, you know, there certainly were not 21 year olds taking pictures of their caviar sure. and posting. It was not, it wasn't, it wasn't a thing. It was something that um, people with uh, more money than me were doing. So I kind of had to write to that audience, which was mm. a little bit weird. Um, but it was, it was a luxury. And now it's, I like that it's like, I think we have a much more robust dining scene. Yeah. Now that it's just, it is, it's something that, that everyone can have an entry entry point well and i I mean and i've been fortunate enough to 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 see the change within the city Mm -hmm. i mean really i think i think in the 2000s uh you know like bourdain and all that stuff kind of tripled down Mm -hmm. to like the food network and celebrity chefs and all that stuff became sexy yeah and then it takes a while to come in from the coast right Mm -hmm. so then in like 2010 you know you, Mm -hmm. you like from like Right around 2010s, right when you start seeing like, or I started seeing like the, the craft cocktail boom mm-hmm. and the craft, mm-hmm. and people started caring more about their food and wanting more, you know, mm-hmm. 
more things besides yeah. Outback Steakhouse. 2010. <laughs> is that when you were at Black Acre, you were doing the the brunch on your little uh, that well, press? Yeah. I mean, that was, that was, that was struggling 2010, 2011. Mm-hmm. I built that up over three years. Do you remember but, when I wrote the story about you? Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, but even, even then, being in Irvington, I remember, like, I'd try stuff, and I'd be like, oh, this is too much for Irvington. And it wasn't anything crazy, mm-hmm. but it was just like, mm-hmm. but, like, you can see, like, I remember when, like, just doing, like, chorizo, biscuits, and gravy was, like, such a novelty, and now I see it on, like, every menu or whatever. Right. But, it, like, it took people a while, and, like, certain stuff would fly downtown, but it wouldn't fly mm-hmm. quite here in Irvington yet. But, like, it's interesting to see how people's uh, palates and stuff have changed in the past 10 years. And it seems like everyone is a little bit more, um, I don't want to say refined, but, <laughs> like, you know, a little bit more than just, you know, fast food and uh, chain restaurants. Mm-hmm. Do you find that Irvington is, I always think of Irvington <laughs> as being, like, a small, um, like, a, a small group of foodies, but a very dedicated group of foodies? Sure. I always like, I think of uh, Irvington. It's like Mayberry inside of Indianapolis. It's a small town <laughs> mm-hmm. inside of Indianapolis. It's also a lot of where uh, I, I say it's where millennials go to retire. Okay. You know, it's a lot of like thirty year olds that want to buy a house and slow down. I guess that's what I'm doing for the rest of my life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, no. I mean, there's. De- I mean, in the past ten years, it went from you know you, you had. You had uh, uh, Giacomo on one side, mm-hmm. and then um, the legend, the legend on the other, and that was pretty much it. Like that mm-hmm. was like dining in Irvington. Yeah, and DeFores was there for a long time. DeFores, yeah, mm-hmm. I, yeah. I love DeFores. That DeFores, was mm-hmm. absolutely. Uh, but it's also weird too. It's like Irvington, so it's like everybody's kind of opens and closes whenever they want, mm-hmm. and so it's like I didn't know for the first two or three years I lived here when. Uh, the legend was open. Every time I, walk, I mean, I could have looked on the internet, but every time I walked in, they closed during the middle of the day, mm. and then they weren't open on like I think one day and Sunday. So every time I went right. up there, I was just like, "Is this place ever that, open?" Yeah. Like you yeah. know. Uh, but then you know, Black Acre and all these different places started coming up, and and I think that's what people wanted. You know, it's like I was always bummed out. I would watch. I'm trying to serve brunch, and I would watch all these people walk right past to go get pizza. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, I know people are hungry. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. I'm like, I, I see them. Mm-hmm. I just got to trick them into coming in here somehow. You know, it, it took a while, but we eventually got there. And then, um, yeah, I, but I, I wouldn't say any more than the rest of Indianapolis. I don't know if mm-hmm. Irvingtonians have, you know, different. I think taste. it's like a little tribe. I remember. I think I remember when Irvington got a Starbucks. And it was it was huge. I mean, it it was good news. It was great news. Yeah. Irvington had arrived. Um, I just feel like Irvington people are Irving, are they're they're there for Irvington. Oh yeah, um, it does have a weird small town feel mm-hmm. within the city, mm-hmm. like on the east side of Indy. Yeah, because yeah. I mean, I, I I live out in the Post Road Twenty First, and that doesn't feel anything like Irvington. Right. You know. <laughs> right. Mm. Uh, it's interesting all over. You know, like did you ever keep up with any of the? Um, was it the kickball teams? They had like the the neighborhood kickball teams. No, but I wish I had known about that. So like, they they had it was it's adult kickball and like I know Irvington has a very hardcore team, <laughs> but then they have a different one like Found Square has a team and like and like you could really tell like the neighborhoods like like take pride in themselves mm-hmm. you know, and then some neighborhoods are a little bit more loosey goosey. But they had a um, 
uh, a kickball team. I think they had a volleyball league like that too, where they were trying to really get like neighborhood spirits. I didn't even notice until I saw like the Indianapolis map how many little neighborhoods they are. Like right now, oh yeah, like, that map with all the like the little micro neighborhoods. Yeah, like we're in a micro neighborhood now. Like this is technically not even Irvington. This is Bozart Brown. Okay, and mm-hmm. it's like a, a two blocks. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's right there. Um, but yeah, um, no, I, I I definitely love it. I've I've been in Irvington for the past a little over the past ten years, and I moved from the west side. So when I was coming out here, it was like moving to the dark side of the moon. Wait, yeah. So I heard you say that you're from, you're a Ben Davis. Uh, I went to Ritter and then Ben Davis. I went to the smallest. I'm a Ben Davis. Smallest school, the biggest school. Yeah, Giants. Um, hey. Uh, grew up around this. I was right on the cusp of Speedway. Like mm-hmm. it was like I think I could walk a block and I'd be in Speedway. You could okay. always hear the the cars running for the Indy 500, and we just knew that on race day you didn't go anywhere. Yeah, I'm a Woodpoint kid. I don't oh know yeah, yeah, yeah. oh yeah. I used to run all over at uh, Chapel Hill, and, mm-hmm. uh, Chapel Glen, Chapel Glen. Yeah, and honestly, guys, this is for you. If you're going back in time and you want to find these two people, (laughs) you want to know what neighborhoods we're running around. (laughs) We we were there. Uh, (laughs) uh, You're you're a a Ball State grad. Yes, that's where you went for journalism. journalism. Magazine sequence. You know, I when I was. I was I want to say when I was a kid, but I got to in all honestly say up until a few years ago, I thought it was called Ball State because it was just like basketball popular in Indiana. <laughs> I didn't realize you it was nothing to do with the ball jars. I didn't realize it had anything to do with the ball jars. Uh, I just thought I was like, yeah, Ball State, that's a cool name for college. I got I thought I was like, you're gonna have a ball, like it's gonna be fun, <laughs> like Good party. Times University, yeah, yeah, yeah. Good Times University. Because well, because when I was like going, like growing up, like my senior year of high school, like that was 2007. So they just got in trouble for partying, um, because they were partying really hard back in that day. So like you, we'd say we'd go to Ball State to have a ball, like they ball out. I think Ball State was given some kind of a was listed at like Playboy magazine or something said Ball State was the the best party school in the country. One of the, one yeah, it, it got like, like the top ten. Some yeah. kind of notorious <laughs> alkalad. I used to have uh, I don't know where I got it. I definitely didn't buy it. But when I was a kid, I think someone gave it to me because they thought it was for children because mm. it was uh, it was like a knockoff uh, Snoopy. It was Snoopy, okay. but it was like I don't think it was okay by the Schultz family. <laughs> But it was like a picture of like a party house, like cups everywhere and like a keg. And, and it was like, Ball State's a great place to party, but I wouldn't want to study there. <laughs> and then it was just like Snoopy like passed out on a on a couch or something right, like that. Right, right. Back when you had to do memes by hand. Yeah. You know, <laughs> those old timey memes you hang up on your wall. Uh, what has been... Best best and worst experience uh, as being an indie food writer? Mm. Okay, so I think probably the best experience has been, I feel like, um, I feel like watching, I've been really proud of Indianapolis, the way the food scene has evolved, and the chefs and the restaurants and the, and the people, the diners. And also, I think we have a really good, 
think we have a lot of really good writer, food writers, mm -hmm. um, food like influencers and people who are doing lots of really good content. Um, and, you know, I think the just kind of like watching all of that come together. Um, it's a it's an ecosystem. Yeah. And um, so that's kind of been the cool part. Um, let's see the worst part. Um, you know, I guess, I guess maybe just what we were talking about earlier is you just kind of, this is my niche. This is my niche. I'm a mm -hmm. food writer and I've been so focused on it. Um, and journalists, you know, check on your journalist people right yeah. now. We're struggling a little mm -hmm. bit. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's sort of, um, parallel with maybe what, you know, maybe we went through. Uh, you know, a couple years ago, what restaurant people are experiencing right now, where mm. we're, you know, so we really had to rethink how we tell stories. You know, readers didn't want to, readers, you know, didn't necessarily want to sit down and, and page through a magazine. Yeah. Um, they, you know, they want to read headlines. They want to be quick, you know, quick top 10 lists. Um, and the way they get their, their restaurant news is a little bit different. So making that adjustment has been a little bit of a, you know, kind of an upward uphill uh climb but um we're figuring it out and yeah. um this old dog is learning some new <laughs> tricks i guess it's uh it's hard work though and when in doubt just you know find somebody that's uh you know conning a bunch of people and write about that. Like that there's a story that people will read oh my god can you drop a beat for me nope Two weeks off. Two weeks off. Nah. Old rest bucket. <laughs> Julius Balding, thank you so much for coming on the program today. Uh, where can people find you, follow you on social media, and keep up with all your writings? Track me down at IndianapolisMonthly.com. If you yes. want to follow me on Instagram, I think my name is Julius Balding 317 because I was late to the game. Oh. Um, Julius Balding 317. And um, I really don't... I really am not a Twitter person, so probably don't try to track me down there. But fair enough. Daddy's Jay. Uh, you can follow me at Julia Spalding. <laughs> period. No three one seven. Okay. Um, I got it first, so that's. Oh, you're the one. Yeah, it's me. Um, or at Thad McKee. Uh, that's that's Instagram and Twitter. Zach Rome. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at extra crunchy Zach. And that's all I got. Alan Sternberg. Hey. You, you got to come up here. Um, on Instagram, uh, Alan underscore Sternberg. Uh, it's pretty much the only place I post. So go check it out. Oh, I guess Iozos too. Iozos.com. <laughs> so. If you want to get a meal so good, it'll ruin the rest of your week. Uh, go see this man. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you can find me. Uh, guys, check out our Patreon patreon.com backslash harder brunch um we got some really fun stuff coming up i'm very excited um, stick around and you can meet our new harder brunch intern tyler we're going to be putting him through the putting him through the through the ropes i don't know put him <laughs> through the what are we put him through zach motions putting him through the motions sure. I don't know. that sounds worse than ropes <laughs> it does yeah. well we're going to do something with ropes and motions on the after show hey, you so, want to learn uh, some motions <laughs> Um, and at, at Dyke Michaels on all social media uh, and we have some big stuff coming up big announcements coming up next week so stick around and we'll see you next time